The Holy Gospel according to John, the first chapter. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look! Here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two heard John speak and followed him. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So this weekend, most of our congregation council and I were on retreat at Lutheridge with about a half a dozen other congregation councils from the Carolinas to focus on congregation vitality. And as Pastor Mike Ward was facilitating the retreat and talking about how we inspire others to participate in shared ministry, he played a clip from the Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger movie, Jerry Maguire, where Jerry has stayed up all night in his hotel room, pouring his heart and his passion into a 20 five-page mission statement. You'll be really happy to hear that was an example of what not to do. <laughs> but I also remember another scene from that movie where Jerry's wife stops him in the middle of a speech and 
says, you had me at hello. Well, today begins the first of five weeks in the Revised Common Lectionary, when we are reading through the epistle or letter written by Paul to the church in Corinth. Paul can be wordy. He doesn't often get right to the point. So perhaps it isn't a complete surprise that this letter is divided into 16 chapters in the Bible. But this year, the lectionary only takes us through the first three. And today, we begin at the very beginning with the salutation, where Paul essentially says hello. We believe Paul began the church in Corinth around 50 CE, almost 20 years after the crucifixion, and now he is writing to that church from Ephesus, and he is responding to letters he has received. It becomes clear in later parts of this epistle that there have been divisions within the church in Corinth, and Paul wants to address those schisms. But he doesn't begin there. He first reminds the people in Corinth who they are. They are the church of God. They are sanctified or made holy in Christ Jesus. And they are called to be saints. And here it becomes clear that saints are not just those who have died. Instead, Paul reminds this church that they are called with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This week in the church, really beginning yesterday on the 18th, is the week of prayer for Christian unity. Remembering we are called with everyone who calls on Jesus helps us recognize that the church isn't really ours at all, but Christ's. And Christ's church isn't Lutheran or Episcopal or Baptist or Methodist or whatever tradition or denomination you may have encountered. I converted to Lutheran theology and I treasure it. So I want to say both that the differences in our theology and practices are meaningful. And what matters most is that we are following Christ. So far in this greeting, Paul has said, I see you. I know you Christ followers are trying to live as church together. But he doesn't just tell them, so good luck with that and leave them wondering how they will ever figure it out. Instead, he offers them encouragement, writing grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul uses this same greeting in many of his epistles, and sometimes we preachers will echo him at the beginning of our sermons. But they, these words aren't just a churchy way to say hello. 
These words help us remember everything we Christians need to know. Jesus has come into the world. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And Jesus has come to offer grace and peace to you, and you, and you, and everyone. And then Paul ends with thanksgiving, naming all the ways that God is present for the church in Corinth. He writes, the grace of God has been given to you. Or as Eugene Peterson wrote in his paraphrase, the message, you have free and open access to God. Your lives bear witness to Christ's presence. You show forth Jesus. And you are not lacking in any spiritual gift. I have to stop there and wonder if people could hear Paul's words, really hear them, believe them for themselves. I think there were probably some skeptics who doubted. Maybe they snickered and said, <laughs> he must not be talking about me. Or he wouldn't say that if he knew me. But here's the thing. Paul did know them. And he was talking about them. And perhaps even more importantly, Paul knew firsthand what it is to be a sinner who encounters Christ and how Jesus changes lives. These same Christ followers were trying to be church together in their corner of the world. And they, were prob they probably share more in common with our congregation today than we might guess. And Paul looks at the church and sees abundance. Abundance of grace. Abundance of love, abundance of giftedness. And if doubts or fears linger, Paul's last words are ones of promise and assurance that our faithful God will strengthen the church, not just for one day or for one trial, but to the end. God has called us to be church, and God gives us the gifts we need to respond to the holy calling on our lives. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks for the saints before us, like Paul and the saints around us who call on your name in neighboring churches and worshiping communities. Thank you for the grace you have given all who call on you, that nothing separates us from you. 
Teach us how to show your mercy and love in our words and actions that others may see Jesus through us. Alert us to the gifts you have given us and give us courage to use them for ministry. We pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.